chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness, this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of Etides and the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Tonight I'm going to be sharing with us on what I call transgenerational manifestation. Transgenerational manifestation. There are unparalleled irrefutable characteristics of God. Some of those characteristics are known to us. Some of them we don't until we study. One of the critical manifestations of the characteristics of God is the fact that God is a transgenerational God. When God speaks to a man, he does not speak to him alone. He speaks to the seeds inside him. It is uncommon to see in the scripture God speaking solely to one man. God spoke in diverse ways to fathers, but not just to fathers, to also the seeds that were within them. Is that correct, church? Tonight, I want our pure minds to be alive. That whatever God is saying to you, He's not just saying it to you, He's saying it to the seeds after you. We are in the days when God is about to turn yesterday's history to today's story. <laughs> we read in the secular history. And that's all we read. But in the realm of the spirit, in the kingdom of God, every history has a potential to become a story. I'm sure that's sounding funny, but what is the purpose of history in the kingdom? If it does not impact the present, 
Easter in the kingdom is meant to reintroduce us to new passion and zeal. I will examine a few scriptures tonight. I want us to journey with me. In book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 6, the scripture declare, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. For I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews 7, verse 24. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Speaking of Jesus. Therefore, wherefore, he is able to save unto the uttermost. Those that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Has an unchangeable priesthood, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. John 8, 58 declares, Jesus said to them, the Bible says, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. In Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible declares, As a vesture shall thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. What is scripture? Thou art the same. And thy years shall not fail. Romans chapter 11 verse, verse 29. It says for the gift and the calling of God are irrevocable. They are unchangeable. Romans 10 12. For there is no distinction between the Jews and Greek. For the same Lord overall is rich to all that call upon him. Psalm 22, verse 30. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. A seed will serve him. It shall be accounted to them by the Lord for a generation. One seed served. It's counted for a generation. There is a common denominator in all of the scriptures that I read. God remains the same. He has not changed. He will not change. That's why he is called the ancient of days. Ancient of days operates out of time. He governs times, but he's not controlled by time. All that we have read in scriptures and in the contemporary times of history can become what we can see. I'm going to repeat. All that we have read and read about 
in history, in scriptures, in the contemporary time of what God has accomplished in the lives of his people through his own people can become a reality in our days. I want our hearts to be alive tonight. God wants to revisit our history. I believe. He wants us to revisit our history and discover who God was and what he did in the days of old. I have this to say to us tonight. If he has done it before, he can do it again. Can I say that again? If he has done it before, he can do it again. Hebrews chapter 3, sorry, Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2 says, Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk called upon the Lord in the book of Habakkuk chapter 1 because the Chaldeans came and they ravaged the land and took away everything that Israel had worked for. And the man called upon God and said, God, why? Why will a nation which is unrighteous oppress your people? In verse 5, the Lord said to his servant, I will walk a walk in your days, which when it be told you, you will not believe it. I will walk a walk in your days. What was God saying? You have read about it, I will do it again. I mean, it was no of the manifestation of the power of God in the time past. God is saying, I'm a transgenerational God. If you have seen the manifestation of my power in the past generation, I would do the same in your days. Now, there is no age barrier. There is no color barrier. There is no achievement barrier. God is saying there are criterias that have been laid and made known. If we follow the criteria, God will manifest through our lives. How many of us are praying every day passionately, asking God, Lord, walk in my life. Manifest yourself in my life. If we have that as a passion, God would do it. Amen. I hear people saying, Healings handed with the apostles. Well, thank God for that theology. They have their point. And you have a right to believe what you want to believe. But I believe that if you read your Bible very well, the book of Acts was an inconclusive book. Go read it. It's one of the books you never saw a man. It was an inconclusive book. You know why? Because the acts of the apostles will not end with the apostles. It will continue to as many that relate with God in the same grace and commitment and devotion. That act will continue. Inconclusive. David made a pronouncement in Psalm 71. Verse 18. This is what he said. Church, I want us to listen to this. How many of us remember David? David was used of God tremendously in his generation from the time he was 17. A young man kept to take care of the business of the family. Very suddenly diligent 
in what is, has been committed into his hand. I cannot imagine in our own days giving and committing the family business to a 17-year-old grown and bred in New Jersey. He will ruin it. He does not understand what he's doing. Because of how we have trained them. David was well trained. He grew up with a sense of purpose. He was left with the family business. He was not indolent. There was no presumption in his approach. He wasn't passing the buck. He took the responsibility with a whole sense of grace and understanding. He walked with the sheep. If you read Psalm 78, the Bible says, and God saw him. As he saw him committed and faithful to the sheep, God said, that is the man that I want. He pulled him out. Psalm 89 says, I have found David, my servant. I have found him. In other words, God was looking. Can God find me today as a faithful bearer of his word? Can God find you today as a faithful husher? Can God find, find you today as a faithful steward in his house? What has God given to you? Are you faithful in what he has given to you? I have found David, my servant, with my holy eye, have I anointed him. I have found him. David made a pronouncement. Psalm 71. I want us to listen. Verse 18. Now also, when I'm old and gray-headed, oh God, don't forsake me. That was in the end of the prayer. It went further. Until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. I love this scripture. It says, don't forsake me. I'm old, but I still got something in me. I'm old. People have given up on me, but I haven't given up on myself. I am old, but I have got something to offer to this generation. But Lord, even when I'm about to leave, give me grace that I may declare your strength to this generation and your power to them that are to come. No wonder Acts of the Apostles chapter 13 verse 36 the scripture says, David after he has served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was buried with his fathers and he saw corruption. After he has served his own generation let me say this to us if we don't pass what we have received to the next generation, we have not served well. Did you hear what I said? If we have not given out of what God has given to us to the next generation, we have not served well. David. We saw the fruit of what David did in Solomon. The Bible tells us, I'm not surprised about what happened to this man. In 1 Kings chapter 3, let's read about Solomon, what he said. 1 Kings chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 3. And Solomon loved the Lord 
walking in the statutes of who? Oh, I love this. And Solomon loved the Lord and walked in the statutes of his father, David, except that he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. I'm going to read verse 14. Let's read what it says there. It says, so if you walk, God speaking to Solomon, so if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. I have no problem doing that. But you must remember the same way that I dealt with your father. I would do much more with you. But remember to walk in my ways. Transgenerational. So Solomon came to the scene. He began to see the manifestations of what God did. And they're like, maybe much more. Because what David couldn't do, Solomon did much more. David wanted to build a temple to the Lord. And God said, no, your hand is full of blood. I will not allow you to do it. But I will allow the seed that will come out of you to do it. And through Solomon, God built an enormous, envious temple in the land. That other nations came, even the queen of Sheba, giving glory to God for such wisdom wit and understanding that he has given to a man of such age. Let me say this to you. We are not too young to become an icon for God. Not too young. The Bible calls God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let me quickly take, take us to the book of Hebrews. I said it in prayer, but let's read what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verses 8 to 9. By faith Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to the place where or which he would receive an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of the promise as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs, the heirs what? With him of the same promise. They hears with him of the same promise. Now the Bible says, Abraham dwell in tent church. Abraham never saw Jacob physically. I hope you all agree with that. Go study your Bible. So how could he have been said that Abraham dwell in the same tent? The Bible says, the tent that they dwelt together was the tent of the promise. The Bible says they were all his of the what? Of the same promise. In other words, there is a generation, two, three, four generations that may come after me. As far as God is concerned, if they walk in the promise and the covenant of God, we dwell together. Because as far as God was concerned, he was talking to Jacob while Abraham was still alive. Transgeneration. No little wonders that the man became a crook when he was born. And God looked at him and said, you, you come back here. There is a cord from your great-grandfather. You cannot break my promise. It's impossible. 
No wonder the man became straightened, of course, with a bent leg. Why? Because God is a transgenerational God. Where am I going? I'm going to let us know tonight. Let's take a look at a few scriptures tonight. Genesis chapter 17. Let's see what the scripture says. Verses 6 and 7. Genesis 17, verses 6 and 7. Genesis 17, 6 and 7. It says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make the nations of you and kings shall come from you. This is God speaking. Verse 7. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. That was what God spoke to him. Let's read Genesis 26. Watch Genesis 26. Verse 1. There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech king of the Philistine in Gira. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. I will perform what I spoke to your father, Abraham. Now watch this. Similar experiences for these two people. They both met with Abimelech. They both lied to Abimelech. They both were blessed under Abimelech. But you know what? Similar experience, but the same father. The same God. Transgeneration. God never abandoned Isaac. He was not down with Isaac. There were a few scenarios in the scriptures where men broke God's covenant for their family and for their generation. We remember Eli. God had appointed him to be a priest over his people. Because of what he did, the Lord said, from now, I will change this priesthood. I will. It was a sad story of a man who lived and honored his children beyond God. Honor this family beyond God. Listen tonight. I understand the concept of marriage. I understand we must love our wives. But you see, there is one person that takes precedence, that takes the first place in the heart of everyone. You know why? When we are, when we are gone to the other side, there will be no wives and husbands. He's the only one to be worshipped. But he wants us to begin to learn how to do it from here. So, the subject of loving our spouses and our children must begin with loving him. If we don't love him, we cannot love those that he has given to us as a treasure. Third example. This is incredible. Moses that we read about in the book of Joshua chapter 1. The Bible tells us that Moses was dead. God spoke to Joshua. He called him. 
He was a young man who just loved to do errands for the man of God. He loved him. He just believed that the hand of God was upon this man. And I don't care what people say about it. I hope you understand, listen church, tonight. That why Joshua was serving Moses, there were rumors after rumors on rampage against Moses. Hello? But Joshua saw what Korah, Datam, and Abiram never saw. He saw that this man has anointed and as powerful God as, as powerful God has endowed him. He was vulnerable. But you see, he did not look at the vulnerability. He looked at the God who was behind the man. And he said, listen, I am going to be your servant. He wasn't serving the man Moses. He was serving the God of Moses who called him. And this man, when Moses was gone, it would have been a pandemonium in the land. Who is going to take over? The people who thought they knew better, they have died with their families. Even the family of Moses. I'm just telling us about the rumors that were going around, mongering. Even Miriam, who was supposedly a sister who was supposed to take care of this young man, also said, ah, what does he think he is? He's married a black girl. What, is, what, is, what does he think he's doing? An Ethiopian girl. And the Lord said, the Bible said, the Lord heard it and said, to the three of you, come out. If there's any prophets among you, I speak to them in visions and in dreams. But for this man, I speak to him face to face. I don't care what you have seen. I called him and I speak to him. Those were the rumors. In spite of all that, Joshua knew what he wanted. I don't know what we're looking for. He knew what he was looking for. And he never lost focus. And that is why God spoke to him. This man had died. But God says something that I love in this passage. That's what I want us to take home tonight. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Hallelujah. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I understand how much honor and glory that God has placed upon Moses. But God said, I know Moses. And I loved Moses. And I gave him grace. And I gave him authority. And I gave him power and influence. But I will be with you. I will not leave you. And I will not forsake you. If it were today in the state we live in, people would say, you are crowding me, God. Joshua said, I'm all for it. Take me. And we saw what God did. Now, the interesting part of this story, I'm going to tell us. How many of us know that Moses was not the same person with Joshua? Joshua was called to do a different job. Why? Because of his makeup. Joshua was a warrior. Moses was a shepherd man. As a matter of fact, I don't even know his job. He just ran away from, from, from Egypt. Ran to a place and he said, okay, what's the likeliest job I can do here? The available job. I can take care of sheep. He was a highly built guy. He was a strong guy. For him to have beaten a man to death. And God saw that he could lead the sheep. And said, okay, I got some sheep there. You know how sheep are? They are dummies. You can lead them. 
Because mixed multitude were among the people of Israel and they distracted the people many times from heeding to the voice of God. And God said, I would send you to lead them. A shepherd knows how to take care of his strange sheep. And said, Moses, you will do the job better. But when the people became shaping, don't forget, after the wilderness, those who were incorrigible, those who were, you know, who were haughty and obstinate, they have died. A new generation, a new breed had risen. And God said, I saw these guys. I know somebody who will take care of them. It is Joshua. They will fight. There are cities to take. There are places to go. There is a land to conquer. Joshua, go ahead and take it. But he said, different method, but the same Lord. Don't forget. Transgenerational manifestation. Was God any less in the life of Joshua compared to Moses? I don't think so. In the life of Moses, God demonstrated by showing his wondrous works in, e- in Egypt. He manifested himself because the man was obstinate. He wouldn't listen to God. And God said, well, Pharaoh, you will not listen. You will not li- if you don't release them by choice, you will release them by force. Until the last straw that broke the camel's back, when the firstborn of, ev- of every male firstborn in the land died, Pharaoh said, I don't think this is a joke. People, now it is time to go. I don't think this is a joke. And then the people left. The interesting part of it is the fact that when they got to a place, the warriors behind, the hills to the right and to the left, and here comes the Red Sea. And Moses looked at it. I thought we are over this. That's why there is no victory that you have as a believer. Get ready for another battle. Another battle is coming. But you know the interesting thing? The fact is that the, the method of every battle will be different. That's why I'm very, very, it's very delicate to approach God with the same method of the victory that we had yesterday. We must follow divine instruction. We're going to get there. So Moses saw the Red Sea. And they looked at the people. God, what do we do? The people started to cheat them. The Bible cheat them. The Bible says, and God said to him, what is in your hand? The rod, stretch it forth. And the sea parted. Don't forget. That was an outstanding miracle. They left that place. There were so many junctions in the life of this world. They got to Rephidim. They got to Mara. There was no water to drink. It must take the heart of a shepherd to lead those people. And they said, you know what? Why did you bring us out of the land of Egypt? We had onions. We had cucumber. It was a wonderful place. Ah, wonderful place. They said it was a wonderful place. That is the heart of man. God said, you know, speak to the rock. And the man became fed up. You know, you can over, when it gets to a level, your elasticity can break. The man struck the rock. They said, okay, no problem. The people had water. They drank. That's why when God places us in the position of leadership, the people will see the power. They will see everything. But we need to be careful to maintain the relationship with God. But the same God who walked it out at Red Sea was with Joshua at Jordan. Now, a similar situation, but a different approach. God said, this time, you will not stretch a rod because Joshua had no rod. You know what you're going to do? Bring the priest. Let them step into the waters with the ark of the covenant in their hand. The Bible says, as soon as the priest stepped into the water, the river Jordan parted. And the people walk on the dry ground. Similar circumstance, but the same God. 
different method. What am I saying tonight? Transgenerational God. Let me just, let me, let me stir up our pure minds tonight as believers. We have read stories of what God has done in the lives of men over the scriptures. God will do the same. He may use a different method. We may do as with ties. They never had ties. We may have to do as in the marketplaces where we have our pen and our intelligence, but God wants to do the same that he did with the man of old in our own days. We must manifest that. Transgenerational manifestation. Nobody will have an excuse before I got to tell God, Lord, this is the reason why your glory is not going to be revealed in my life. You have no excuse. I want to address our sisters at this moment. Our sisters, listen to me. I said this a few weeks ago. Susanna Wesley had 19 children. And every day she spent at least one hour in prayer. Many times I've heard people say, it is these children. It is these children. Is it true? But God is saying, no excuse. If God can break forth in the life of Susanna the way he did, he can do the same in our lives. There was a woman who was, who was divorced somehow. Something happened in her life. She became dysfunctional. But she found her way back to God. There was no man around her anymore. Ketran Kuma. Now she said, Lord, my devotion to man is gone. My devotion is to you. She became so anointed, so much so, that when she passes a place, men run from her. Because the awe and the presence and the majesty of God that was upon the woman's life. God can do the same. Transgeneration. How may be different, but the goal is the same. Elijah, Elisha, I don't need to tell us the story. But the interesting part of Elijah and Elisha's story that I read today that was very interesting to me as I was studying 1 Kings chapter 19. This man, after he became discouraged and depressed, you know, it, it's amazing to me. Let me just share this with us the way it occurred to me. The man was literally depressed. He said, God, you know what? Now, he just was used of God to do a tremendous work of slaying the prophets of Baal. You know what Elijah, Elijah said? Elijah said, Lord, because Jezebel threatened to kill him. Elijah said, now God, I am not better than my fathers. I'm ready to die. Ah! Ah! The man was depressed. But you know what happened? I, look, I stand to be corrected. When this man, God did not send a prophet to assure him. He gave him food. He knew the man was hungry. Do you know when hunger really comes? <laughs> that when we're really hungry, <laughs> there are certain depressions that are based on food. See, this man is hungry. He has no food. Sent an angel the first time. I love what he gave him. He gave him a baked cake on a coal. He ate and gave him water. He drank. The angel looked at him and said, ah, he needs another one. Brought him another one. He ate again and drank. The Bible says, and he went in the strength of the food. Go and read it. 
He went in the strength of the food 40 days and 40 nights. I hope you understand what it means 40 days and 40 nights. It is a perfection of God's grace. It is a perfection of God's call. It is a perfection of God's support and divine assurance and pillar of support from God. Because Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. It is a reassurance that I'm renewing your strength. I'm giving you a new grace. It's as though you have never failed before. I'm giving you a new opportunity, a new grace to accomplish and, you know, and engage yourself in the divine call that I've given to you. The man after 40 days, the Bible says, and he went into the mountain. The man began to walk like, because there's food now. Praise God. That means there are times some of the things we call depression could be some other issues that are attached to it. But God knew it. What am I saying here? Elijah was used of God. But God was about to do something. It, it was a transgenerational God. God was about to raise another prophet in the likeness of Elijah. And God sent him. He showed him several demonstrations of, of the earthquakes, of the fire. And then God said, Elijah, it's not only you that is remaining. Go anoint Jehu, anoint Azahel, and anoint Elijah after you. Of course, the man was just doing his own business. And he was anointed by God. When he was anointed, he said, can you give me some time to go? Elijah said, what, what have I to do with you? I'm gone. And the man was gone. I want to go take care of my family and sell everything that I got. Now, where am I going all of this? It's the fact that Elijah in 2 Kings asked Elijah after the journey. Give me the double portion of your spirit. And Elijah just said, you have asked for a hard thing. It's typical. But you know, as I study, the double portion of spirit of a man actually is a right and a privilege of a first son in a family. Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 21. It's always a right of a firstborn. You don't talk of receiving a double portion except you are a first child. So it was Deuteronomy 21 verse 17. It was a right of a first child who is an heir to the family. That was the right that Esau was supposed to have that was given to Jacob. That was the right that Reuben had. So it was a right of every first child. So what Elijah was asking for was not just the Holy Spirit to man him. He was saying, look, I need the spirit of Elijah. I need the inheritance of Elijah to accomplish the purpose of God. And God gave him what he desired. No wonder it is in record that Elisha, maybe, you know, people have calculated that did almost double or maybe double of what Elijah did. What am I saying? Transgenerational. Now, how did they do all of this? I'm going to close now. How did they do it? What was peculiar about this man? Why were they able to engage themselves in transgenerational manifestation? Why am I saying all of this tonight? It is because I have two reasons. Number one, please, I want us to listen to the reason. What is the purpose of tonight's challenge? One, church, listen to me. There is a task left undone. Do we hear what I said? There is a task left undone. If we don't do it, nobody will. Number two, a divine assignment is always transgenerational. If God has given you an assignment, it must be beyond you. If it is not beyond you, it is not God. Why and what did the generation do to be able to continue 
from the other generation. We saw Isaac, we saw Elijah, we saw Joshua. What did they do? Why is it our generation is missing so much? Why? Why? Let's quickly examine. Number one, I noticed that many of the new generation that took over from the previous generation had a devotion. They were devoted to God. Number two, they were seekers of knowledge. Hallelujah. They were seekers of knowledge. Number three, they were visionary men. Hallelujah. They were vision. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Another version says they cast off restraint. In other words, what's supposed to restrain them because of the lack of vision cannot restrain them. They cast off restraint. They become careless. They become useless. They become irresponsible because there is no vision. 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 The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, the Bible says, in verse 27, I'm sorry, it says, all died in faith, not having received the promise, but seeing them afar off. They did not receive it, but they saw the promise. I thought, that's a vision. They did not receive it, but they saw it afar off. How could Abraham, how could he have believed God, that God was going to raise a descendant after him that will be, you know, that will be as many as the stars of heaven. How many of us know that in his living body, he did not see that? He did not see them as the sons of the sea. But we all know Israel today as they are located where they are. They saw it afar off and they believed it. And they, they were visionary men. Another reason. They were men and women of passion. What is your passion like? What drives you? What is your goal in life? What's your objective? What are you living for? Passion. I love this next one. They were hungry and thirsty men. Oh, hunger. Ever say hunger? The key to manifestation to our generation that will preclude, that will, that will show the manifestation of God in the past generation will be our hunger. How hungry are you for God? How hungry, how thirsty are you for the presence of God? How hungry are you for the glory of God? How hungry are you for the glory of God? How hungry are we? To see God moving in our generation. May the Lord walk in us tonight. I'm not going to be good. There are about 15 reasons why those men succeeded. But I'm going to close with the one that God said to Joshua himself. Because that's the study we had tonight. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. I'm just going to read from here. And then I close. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For to these people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to the fathers to give them. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand, that you may prosper wherever you go. Two things came out of this scripture. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Only be thou strong. 
strength and courage. How do we become strong? Ephesians chapter 3, the Bible said that the Bible says, you know, that, that, you know, that, the Bible says, you know, that we may receive strength. Let me read it. If Hebrews, sorry, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm reading verse. Um, It says here in verse, uh, verse 14. The Bible says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus, of a woman, the whole family in heaven, and not his name, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Strength in the inner man. By the Holy Spirit. The communication of our lives with the Holy Spirit will determine the strength of our lives. Now, what did God say to Joshua? Be strong. And what did he say next in verse 8? He says, let this, Lord, let this you know, book of the Lord depart not from thy what? Excuse me, church. How do you keep a book in your mouth? So let not depart from your mouth. Don't keep it in your mouth. Keep it in your mouth. In other words, it is what you have meditated upon. You have thought about that will manifest through your life. May the Lord continually open our eyes to the fact that this generation can manifest the glory of God. This generation can reveal the true hand of God that all may see and rejoice and give honor and praise to his name. Let's rise up to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we just speak to the Lord tonight? And say, Lord, I believe that you can do it again. You've done it in the past. You can do it again. Lord, I release myself to you tonight. I open up my heart to you tonight. God of all grace. God of all strength. God of all power. I release myself to you tonight. 